Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition, where we explore authors, books, and titles that have formed and shaped Catholic thinking for the past 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale. I am one of the co-founders of Catholic Studies Academy, and along here I am joined again with Dr. Smith. We talked about in our last episode about St. Thomas and his immense contribution to philosophy and theology, and in particular, natural theology. We also spoke about St. Thomas as a teacher. The teacher is the one who tries to convey reality to his students. Everyone is a teacher of sorts, whether it be to your friends, to your family, parents, to their children, or it could be your profession, whether as a professional teacher, whether you're teaching you know, religion or just any other subject. Either way, the teacher seeks to convey the truth. The truth about science, the truth about math, the truth about English and literature and all of these things. The teacher seeks to convey the truth. And truth, as we talked about uh, a little bit last time, we'll get into more to today, is that truth is that which is in accord with reality. So like I said, I'm joined here with Dr. Smith. And for St. Thomas, this relationship of truth and reality is one that was just a, a key. It was a complete focal point for Thomas and kind of a, a, a foundational aspect to his kind of a springboard uh, to, to much of his thought. Sure, yeah, that's right, Jason. Uh, so uh, when you think about St. Thomas and his understanding of truth, um, uh, there's a couple of different things to say, but the truth in St. Thomas's view is about the judgments that we make and the propositions that we speak. So um, when we make a judgment, Right. What we're doing is we're making a claim in our minds um, about the way the world is. We're interpreting uh, reality. We're saying uh, this is that, that Paris is the capital of France, for example. That's a judgment. And then the speech that I just used to convey that judgment is a proposition. It's a sign. And when we're thinking about truth, then some judgments and some propositions are true and others are false. And this is, very importantly, not a matter of our feelings about what we want to be true, that sort of thing. Rather, a proposition or a judgment is true uh, if it corresponds to reality. So the, the basis of truth right, in St. Thomas's work is being and reality, that that sets up sort of the standard by which do we divide what's true from what's false. Uh, does it convey, uh, uh, does, it, does it match with um, uh, reality. That's why St. Thomas, the, the Latin term he uses is that truth is a certain adequatio, right? An adequation or proportion between the mind and uh, reality. Yeah. And I think that's a, 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 you know, that his idea of reality, that reality is this, is something that is outside of ourselves and even outside of our minds. Very good. That, yeah, that, right. <laughs> that's a, that's a huge problem for many people today, particularly when you get into to things like morality and, and stuff. Is that you know the that that we can speak of a truth when it comes to you know natural moral law and things like that because of the way that God, who is sovereign Lord, uh, has created the world, and that in this natural law we cannot not just know these things, but that these things exist outside of ourselves, and, right. and we have to be able you know and particularly today we have to be able to uh, convey that, and so for 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 the teacher then. Uh, St. Augustine goes into this uh, in his writings. It's a, it's a back and forth between uh, St. Augustine and his son, and they're talking about the teacher. 
Um, and he, he goes into this kind of beautiful dialogue about, uh, signs. Mm-hmm, and he talks, mm-hmm. he talks extensively and he gets into the idea that words are signs. And for the, and for the teacher, that's a, that's a huge thing because that's primarily how we teach is we use sure. words to convey, uh, to try to bring about a reality. And so for us to be able to, I think, uh, whether it be, uh, just, having a conversation with a, a friend who's struggling with something or having a, a catechesis or something like that. Sure. Uh, we have to be, we have to use the best signs uh, mm-hmm. uh, to convey the reality as close to the reality as it is. Right. Uh, right. Uh, and also recognize that not all signs are equal. Yeah. Some signs, uh, you know, some signs uh, signify well and effectively and others do not. Right. And just uh, saying about earlier about propositions, some, um, you know, you could, you could make a couple of divisions here, but some propositions, some statements, um, uh, reflect reality and others do so, uh, do not do so, right? They're, and that, that is, they're false. Um, and that that's not really, that division is not determined by our mind or by our feelings or by sort of the person himself, but really by, uh, the reality that's outside the person, uh, as you said. But in addition to that, we could even say, even if you sort of get within sort of, uh, signs or propositions that are not, um, um, say false, uh, but even within them, we can still divide between ones that are more effective and ones that are less effective. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes we, we only make the division between true and false. We can also make a division between, um, useful, uh, and not useful, effective, not effective, um, uh, ones that are sound and wise versus ones that are maybe dangerous or easily misguiding. Yeah, and even uh, the catechist and the teacher, they have to be, you know, very, you know, discerning in which signs they are going to use. Is and they have to sure. be able, they have to constantly ask themselves: Is the sign I'm giving matching the reality that it is? Mm-hmm, and, and I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, a, a very hard thing and something that a lot of I'll say this just talking from a catechetical perspective that I'd say that's a lot of times that, you know, whether it be textbook companies or whatever, they don't particularly look at this. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think very well and, and that they use kind of okay signs or mm-hmm. kind of, sure. you know, uh, they, but, but to get at the reality of the thing is our goal. And even, even the, yeah. catech, even the catechism has a, what it's talking about dogmas, mm-hmm. you know, it says that, you know, we don't believe in the formulas, but in the realities sure. that they present. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's it. This is a key point, though. Like the faith doesn't terminate right in the proposition, right in the formula itself. So, right. you know, um, uh, take a, a basic one like Chalcedonian Christology, right? That that um, you know Christ is one uh, divine person with two natures, uh, one human and the other divine. Um, I said that right, right, Jason? I think so. Okay, good. <laughs> Dr. So, Ms. Kelly will tuck you. <laughs> that's right. So the, but the, that formula, right? I mean, that formula, I, I profess that formula, um, uh, because it brings my mind to the reality. But it's very important that, uh, I have the right formula, right? So even if, you know, the mind doesn't terminate in the formula, in the proposition, it terminates in the reality. That is, that's what I'm assenting to. Nevertheless, the sign used is key. So you just think about this more practical level. Let's say you're trying to, for some reason, travel to New York City. Um, you, you, you might, you know, you're sort of you're going there, but let's say you end up, uh, the signs, let's say you don't have the GPS things that we have now, or let's say you do, but 
uh, your GPS gives you vague directions, right? <laughs> or you run into ambiguous signs on the way. Well, think about how frustrating that would be. That you know, you sort of uh, let's say you just ran into a sign, you know, um, as you're going through Virginia that said uh, uh, New York North-ish. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is that? That's not helping me at all, you know? Uh, so, uh, actually signs are very important that they be as, uh, that at least some of the signs be precise, right? That is that they, um, because they, they can, they can indicate reality effectively or poorly. Uh, and this is why I think we have to be really careful with the signs that we use and very, um, conservative in the small c sense of, uh, conserving those signs that we've inherited within our tradition. Uh, because those, uh, you know, those have been passed on because they have been found to be effective ways of leading the mind to the reality about God. Yeah. And to do so in a concise way. I mean, the way that, you know, to, to carry on your analogy there, you know, today in the church, we essentially have with regards to philosophy and theology, we have, you know, one of the most or the most sophisticated GPS uh, uh, sure. system to use yet many times in catechesis we're simply going by like an old school compass saying okay mm-hmm. guys we're you know we, we're trying to head north you know it's right. like <laughs> but you're but you're yeah you're you're in the middle of a big city and everybody's telling you to go elsewhere you know whereas but we're sitting here with you know a gps system where it's like why don't we just use this why don't we you know and so you know this was a uh you know, a big sticky point, you know, in the uh, 20th century with, uh, you know, the word trans uh, transubstantiation or, you know, there were there were other alternatives brought in and the church, sure. the church discerned said, well, actually, you know, those are inferior signs. And so it, right. it would be better for us not to use those. And it would actually uh, do harm if mm-hmm. we were to use those right now. Right. The best that we have uh, um, is 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 transubstantiation. That's rich. It can mm-hmm. it it gets to the reality. It is the best sign that we have. This is yeah. You know, this is an important point, Jason. Uh, because you know the signs, whether we like it or not, signify. And so um, um, they can. They, we're talking about whether or not they signify well or accurately or inaccurately. Uh, but we can also talk about you know like the words that we use if they are poorly chosen signs, um, then they can confuse people. And everybody's been part of a conversation where you. Uh, unintentionally offend someone uh, by the words that you've used, right? By the signs, because those words signify something that you didn't intend or signify something that's um, false or offensive or, or something of that nature. Yeah. And I, I think the clearest, one of the clearest expressions today is artwork, you know? Sure. I, I remember mm-hmm. going to a, uh, um, I forget if it was an actual university or like a small co- college for like uh, uh master's degrees in theology that has uh, uh, shut down since then. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, it was in Washington, D.C. But it but it, it had just this uh, amazing collection of horrible artwork, you know, and, and you know, and, the, and this one this one artwork was a it was a probably about a two by a two foot by four foot piece of expanded metal. So like a, a barbecue grate, essentially. Okay. And it had a hole punched in the bottom left hand side and it was Mm -hmm. and it was entitled the immaculate conception or something like Mm -hmm. it had something to do with mary and i'm like and i was standing next to somebody and they were like i don't get it (laughs) and and i'm sitting there i'm like this is the stupidest thing i've ever seen like the 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 sign wasn't even close to the reality of who the blessed virgin mary is you know it's it's, it's, you're well 
you know, maybe my interpretation, maybe I'm not thinking, no, it's a poor sign. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it is not conveying uh, the reality that it is. Yeah. So I think even in, in artwork, we can see that some, you know, some art is better than others. Uh, um, sure. And some artwork uh, is a better sign to convey the reality uh, that it is. And I think it's, you know, within the within the realm of catechesis many times, I think it takes the form, uh, a kind of this, this uh, where the discernment needs to take place is the goal of catechesis is to convey the person of Jesus Christ. To convey right. it, to convey who he is in reality. Uh, whereas many right. times, if you if you look at uh, uh, the way that Christ is presented, or or the way that he is uh, pictured, even mm -hmm. it's it's all about kind of this generic friendship. Now I know what Aristotle says about friendship, and I believe it. It's true. Saint Thomas goes on to say, you know, talk about friendship with God. And, and, and while that's true, I I, I think when we present Christ as mere friend and we don't, right. and we don't, we don't have an Aristotelian or Thomistic understanding of friendship. That's, right, you know, right. that, that could be a huge problem. And so, you know, I don't, you know, cause the, cause the reality is, is I don't worship my friends. Right. I don't, uh, uh, my friends. Hopefully you know, not. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hopefully not. Although some of them probably would wish that, but <laughs> I, I don't worship my friends, my friends, you know, well, at least not yet. None of them have died for me to expiate sure. my sins. You know, so, and, you know, I, I don't... None of them are divine persons. Right. More importantly, <laughs> none of them are divine... Let's cut, to the let's cut to the chase. Yeah. None of them are divine persons. Exactly. So this, you know, our, our understanding of, of, of God as friend, even, you know, that idea of, yes, friendship is God is something to, to be acquired, but it is something completely unlike friendship mm -hmm. between two human persons. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it has, con you know, contemplation. Uh, sure. is, is the center of this friendship, you know? So even the way that we convey Christ in, in our catechetical programs and things like that, you know, I think we can, we can do a better job. We can, it has to sure. be more, more holistic in the way that we, uh, present Christ. Right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah, you need to make sure, again, you have the, you have the right signs, um, that you have signs that are effective, signs that are not misleading, um, uh, those sorts of things. And of course, it's very important that, you have the sense that what you're trying to signify is the truth, right? Uh, sometimes, um, I'm afraid, uh, signs can be manipulated for other purposes. Um, you know, signs can be used to sell products. Signs can be used to uh, advance political agenda. Signs can be used for all sorts of things. And not all of those uh, uses of signs are intrinsically bad, but they at least need to be in line with the truth, right? That is that the ultimate purpose of language, the ultimate purpose of signs, and certainly the purpose of teaching and learning, which uses signs, is to discover uh, the truth. So even if we might sometimes use motivational speech, rhetorical speech, things of that nature, we're primarily driving people towards action. Nevertheless, that speech itself needs to be subordinate to the kind of speech that's oriented towards uh, truth and reality. Yeah, and Saint Augustine he makes it he makes an interesting point where he says he makes the distinction between uh, um, when it comes to the when it comes to to teaching and the teacher mm -hmm. that uh, there's a distinction between knowledge of the words and knowledge of the reality, which mm -hmm. which I think mm -hmm. is kind of you know sometimes a, a struggle with uh, many you know Catholic high schools and things like that where. Many of the students, they may do very well on the test. So they have, you know, knowledge of the, the words, knowledge of the signs. Uh, 
mm-hmm. but kind of the, the 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 fidelity to the reality, or do they have sure. knowledge of the of the reality of what it is, or do they mm-hmm. simply know the signs? Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Saint Augustine makes the point that you know knowledge of the reality is uh, is of utmost importance. It's mm-hmm. not good enough sure. to just know the signs. Yeah, it's not good enough, but I would say uh, necessary, right? So um, oh, yeah. St. Augustine makes an interesting distinction, right, between, um, you know, that the words are not uh, for teaching the reality, but they are necessary uh, for teaching the reality. Um, and I think that's where a lot of ambiguity and difficulty sort of comes in um, with current pedagogy, with our current uh, approach to signs and communication, is sometimes there's an, uh, an over emphasis on, well, words don't truly teach or words are not really sufficient. And that's true in a way. Uh, it's true to say that uh, words always fall short, especially in the matters that we're talking about. But it's also true to say that they're necessary. <laughs> they're necessary means for our learning and education. Um, and, and and so we need to still still use them, right? Uh, despite oh, yeah. the they, uh, they fall short. And we need to use the, the right ones. Uh, it's interesting, uh, Jason, this is in philosophy, um, this issue about talking about signs is considered under uh, what's called semiotics. Um, and there's a long history of this and the sort of Augustinian uh, model that St. Thomas adopts uh, and that also in some ways bring also sort of uh, relies to some degree on uh, the views of uh, Plato and the Stoics about signs and propositions. Um, is a very important and influential one, and I think uh, very persuasive when we think about science as both signifying reality, uh, also expressing what is in the mind. But one of the things that we have to achieve is an understanding of the terms, and so that's what you were talking about in terms of formal education in a parochial setting. Uh, but if we're going to go further and have that understanding touch on reality, St. Augustine says what we need is illumination. That is, we need the illumination of uh, God uh, to uh, help bring that understanding into contact with uh, what is um, the reality signified by the meaning. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. And Saint Augustine, you know, talks about that 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 Christ is the teacher. Uh, right. Uh, you know, oh, oh. Um, he is the one that uh, uh, from from within brings about that illumination for us and the grace to be able to grasp the reality through these deficient signs, because all signs are going mm-hmm. to be deficient in some way. Christ is the one uh, who is there in the interior uh, to bring about the illumination so that we can have that understanding and come to know the reality, but yes, through the signs. And, and you know, and that's one thing, you know, that I think is kind of the other, you know, the, the another point in catechesis is, you know, they do recognize, okay, the realities are more important than the signs. Sure. But... Maybe we should get rid of the signs then if they're not. If the re- <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. People, yeah, you know, they- yeah. There's this weird kind of um, linguistic agnosticism that kind of kicks in. Um, and I think word. in some ways, yeah, <laughs> there's a sort of uh, kind of a, in some ways, a holdover of romanticism, uh, in some ways, uh, an effect of uh, various postmodern theories about language. Um, but there's a tendency, even within religious circles, to say, well, look, you know, the the text, the words, they fall short of the reality. They're very uh, culturally uh, relative. And so really, they're just occasions for us to have an um, unmediated experience of God, oh, right? Yeah. So that uh, you can find this actually in some accounts of sacred scripture, 
Uh, but, but just in general, that that really all words do is give us occasions for experience, um, and that they're not really um, signs of reality. Uh, one interesting thing that's that's about you know like with a lot of errors, it's about half true. Uh, yeah. Jacques Derrida talks about as he's a postmodern philosopher and a uh, deconstructionist uh, working uh, within France through uh, the late part of the 20th century. Um, he talks a great deal about signs, and one of the things he says that's true, right, is that signs are not pictures. Uh, signs are not uh, representations. So one bad modern way of thinking about thoughts or words is that they're pictures of the reality. And that's not the case, right? They're not pictures of the reality. Um, they're signs. You know, signs look very different than what's signified very often, right? So a sure. sign to New York City is very different than the reality of New York City, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> Nevertheless, right, where, so Derrida recognizes that and he's correct to do so. Um, uh, but that's also uh, something that Augustine recognized, uh, something that the Stoics recognized. Um, uh, uh, so that part's correct. Nevertheless, you don't want to say, well, so signs aren't pictures and therefore signs are just completely arbitrary or signs uh, uh, don't actually have any relationship to reality at all. And I think that's where we sort of uh, tend to, to fall down is we tend to say, well, if signs aren't just straightforward one to one pictures of reality, then, you know, it's just up for grabs. It's socially uh, determined. Um, it's all about just experience, uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, uh, you know, I used to encounter this when I was a youth minister where uh, I would see books and different resources. They would uh, uh, recommend to me as the teacher to, you know, have, have, your, have your teens write their own creed. Have your teens write their own <laughs> Ten Commandments. And, I, and I'll just say flat out, that's a horrible idea to do. Because, <laughs> I mean, ha, you know, half of them were heretics. The other, sure. you know, a quarter of them didn't believe in God. And I have no idea what the other quarter were actually saying. Sure. Sure. So so it's one of those things, you know, it, it was kind of this this kind of idea that, you know, religion and Catholicism today and your relationship with Christ is is more of this kind of like uh, uh, mysticism. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed, and, and then we form our own faith, you know, um, sure. as opposed of letting the faith form us. Sure. Uh, um, yeah, this is, this is something that's deeply embedded in what's called, um, Jason, not to take us too far afield, but this is about philosophy and theology, so we can go a little bit. Uh, the, um, uh, uh, this is, uh, rooted in a lot of ways what's, uh, called, um, historically, uh, liberal theology. And I don't mean that as a generic uh, description. I mean that uh, more precisely as a, as a specific way of approaching theology in late 19th century German Protestantism. And this is not indicative of 19th century Protestantism as general, but a particular, um, a particular school, predominantly German, in the late 19th century and how they approached um, uh, thinking about theology. And one of their real influences, among others, was um, a philosopher uh, named uh, Schleiermacher. And Schleiermacher, you know, has this idea that that words uh, that, that words and the work of theologians usually falsifies, um, and that that really there's an unmediated, un um, incommunicable experience, right? It's what religion's all about. And everything else in religion, creeds, uh, um, statues, everything else about it, whatever it may be, whether you're in a Lutheran context, a Catholic context, uh, a, you know, low church reform context, whatever context you're operating in, those are just sort of, uh, to him, kind of the entryways to this sort of unmediated experience that can't be communicated. 
Um, but I think that's very embedded in our view of religion today. I remember someone telling me one time when I was working in a corporation, uh, they'd noticed that I had, you know, something, uh, uh I think I had a, a picture of a saint at my desk and, you know, he asked me if I was Catholic. And I said, yes, I am. And, uh, he asked me some polite questions about it. And uh, he said something along the lines, well, I guess you, you, you get a lot of, um, personal, uh, positive experiences out of doing that. And that's really <laughs> the only reason to do it. And I, you know, I kind of thought, well, this is a polite conversation. So I said, you know, that's true, but really I mainly do it because I think it's the truth. <laughs> sort of looked at me in bafflement. But I think that's kind of like the holdover common view, right? Maybe especially in America, I don't know. But that, um, that religion is primarily about, uh, and the signs that we use are primarily about fostering certain kinds of experience. Yeah, and even um, you know, in in catechetics, the way that this is played out is uh, you bring in uh, psychology and sociology, and so you have sure. this experience, and then you express your faith. Uh, and there was a there was a, a sociologist named James Fowler who came up with his stages of faith development, which have which oh. has been hugely influential <laughs> and you know uh, uh, to the chagrin of many, including myself. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> But but faith was all faith, everything that the faith was was uh, uh, just an expression of my experience with God. You know, sure. faith faith was you know my first question was well where does grace play in and it played in sure. nowhere in his in his, his stages of faith development. Uh, yet many Catholics picked up this kind of sociological model and so they were able to say okay this person you know, through their expression of faith, I can tell that they are at this stage of faith in their life. So I'm, my goal sure. as a catechist is to take them to the next stage. And so there was all these kind of, uh, uh, markings as to, you know, uh, um, how do they express their, their faith? So, but again, it was all based on experience. The intellect had very little to do with it. It was all just experience and expression, right? Uh, uh, yeah. highly emotive, you know? Right. Yeah. And one of the things I think is really key here is, and I think if you kind of take a step back and look at sort of the overall issues that we've been uh, grappling with here is, you know, is your pedagogy and use of signs primarily about the truth, right? Or is it primarily about um, creating subjective states in the individual, right? Um, certain emotional states or emotional experiences? Because you certainly want to want to say that, you know, affectivity, emotion, all those things, experience plays a role in education, plays a role in any uh, use of signs and pedagogy. Uh, but, right, there are two very different approaches here. One is I'm trying to help you uh, and I'm trying to help, you know, myself be helped towards reality, in this case, the reality about God. Uh, or am I primarily trying to make you useful for a certain task that is, you know, um, useful for making money or um, for a job? Or am I just trying to create certain subjective states in you? And we're going to call that your religious experience. And there's a kind of a therapeutic value to it. Sure. So I think those are the two things that we have to really think about. Like, what is the primary goal? This shouldn't be surprising coming from a Thomas, but what's the <laughs> primary end of go. teaching, right? What's the primary end of learning? Um, there are, there are multiple, multiple ends. I think we can talk about within legitimate education, legitimate teaching and learning. Uh, but there needs to be an overarching goal, an ultimate goal. And that ultimate goal is to know the truth about God. Um, and that, that's what it, when you say, you know, uh, what it, does it involve the intellect or not? What we're trying to get is we want to form accurate, true judgments and say true things 
about the reality of God so that we will act in a way that actually is sane. That is a way that um, uh, meets with, is proportioned to, and consistent with the reality about God. Now, see, this is where agnosticism, I think, plays a big role. Do you think it's possible for us to have signs that lead us truly to that end? Uh, or do you not? Right. And so um, if you think it's possible to have signs that accurately get you to that goal, then you're going to teach towards that goal. If, on the other hand, you think, well, signs just always fall short. Not only do they always fall short, but they're misguiding and no sign is really better than any other. And we can't really know the truth about God in any definite or, 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 or strong sense. And so really what we the best we can do is use signs to foster certain experiences. Right. Right. And I think, even you know, for the for the. Uh... Uh, for the Catholic, you know, while they, I don't think they necessarily, or I hope they don't fall into this kind of sort of agnosticism where they don't believe that science can really get at the realities, but just these mystical experiences bring us to Christ. But I think, you know, for the, for the Catholic, you know, when we talk about, you know, your relationship with Christ, read St. Augustine. Christ sure. is, Christ is at the center of intellectual formation. He Absolutely. is, he is the teacher. You know, and even even St. Thomas, uh, uh, drawing on St. Augustine, you know, says that, you know, uh, uh, cr uh, the crucified Christ, Christ on the crucifix is the most sublime image of Christ, the teacher. And, and so it's Christ there who is within us through this intellectual formation that's sure. there to enlighten our minds and and strengthen our wills to not just know it, but to but from those convictions, bring about action um, right. and action in the correct way. And so I think, you know, for the, for the Catholic, you know, I think we, 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 we need not neglect that aspect of the intellectual formation in our relationship with Christ. That it's, right. that when we talk about, you know, prayer, we talk about, you know, even just the, the, just the generic kind of relationship with Christ, that we don't kind of set the intellectual formation to the side, but that we keep it at the center, that the way that, that uh, internal illumination uh, mm -hmm. comes about, you know, uh, the, the, the example I've always heard is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, stained glass windows, you know, from the right. outside, they look black, you know, but when you're sure. on the inside, they're beautiful and glorious and, and conveyed, you know, you know, different scenes from the life of Christ or the life of the saints. Um, uh, mm -hmm. but it's only something that you can kind of see on the inside. Uh, and so, you know, I think for the Catholic that we need to, we need to remember that when it comes to not just learning but also teaching whether it be our children sure. or the, the 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 children in our catechism class um that, that that christ is there present with them and have that prayer to you know may the words and the signs that you use convey the realities you know sure. i remember even in um uh, uh in my own undergraduate you know i remember having a i mean and, and i could point to it almost as a you know mystical experience uh, not to get all weird or whatever, but it was just kind of that internal illumination, that aha moment that I had, you know, when I read uh, uh, St. Anselm's, you know, Why God Became Man. Uh -huh. I mean, and it was like, you know, a punch in my, you know, spirit gut, you know, like it was like, <laughs> sure. you know, it was like, wow, like I, uh -huh. uh, from the kind of intellectual illumination also came in that, in that experience also came the emotive response as well, where I was sure. joyful because I, I, yeah. I, I understood why God became man. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you haven't read that out there, please go read it. Um, sure. <laughs> but it's, but it's one of those things where, you know, we, we, we need to keep God at the center of that and not simply set aside, well, those are, 
you know, the, the archaic language of, you know, whether it be the creed or the, the writings of the saints or some of those things to, you know, set aside, you know, uh, the catechism, you know, or as some theologians today want to start changing language all sure. willy nilly. Like, it's, so, it, it's just, it's just so unwise, uh, you know, and, and impractical. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, uh, uh, finish your thought there, but, uh, I want to come back to that. No, I was just saying like that, that's, that's a huge problem that especially today, mm-hmm. I think we are, we are too quick to do is to, mm-hmm. is to simply change language. Oh, it doesn't speak to the person. We need to sure. meet the person where they're at. Right. Therefore, we have right. to adjust, yeah. you know, uh-huh. uh, these things for them. You know, yeah. So let me uh, speak to that. I'm going to use a, a, an example here a little bit uh, from a surprising source, perhaps, but uh, analytic 20th century philosopher uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein. Sounds exciting. <laughs> <Which is> a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Wittgenstein, I've always said, has the perfect name for a philosopher. Smith, <laughs> it's a little on the boring side, but uh, nevertheless. Um, so, you know, you just think about this. Uh, the first time, uh, 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 Jason, have you ever used a hammer? Uh, yeah, once or twice. Okay, all right. And, uh, and use a hammer to drive a nail with? Only on nails, yes. Okay. Did you ever try to write with a hammer? Uh, no. Uh, smart. Not. Good job, right? <laughs> but, like, you think about driving a nail and using a hammer. The first time you use it, you probably smashed your thumb or smashed a finger or did it very tentatively. It was uncomfortable. And if you had to use it very much at first, you probably developed blisters on your hand, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So you think about that. You know, you probably learned, at least I did, learned how to use a hammer from someone else within a community. See, like there's a there is a right way to use a hammer and a poor way to use a hammer. There's a goal for using a hammer, and there are things you could try to use a hammer for, like writing, right, <laughs> for which it is not apt. And um, the, like in terms of using signs, right, like we're part of a Catholic community, a community that's blessed with a, an enormous tradition. Um, that's blessed with uh, wise guides and uh, solid ideas about what to say and how to say it and when to say it. Um, it would be foolish to ignore that advice, right? Oh, uh, we need to learn how to use it. So, you know, signs, again, are not pictures. They're not one-to-one representations. Um, they can be uh, better or worse, but we do need to learn how to use them and which signs to use. And we learn that in community within our tradition. So it's foolish to throw aside the creed, just like it would be foolish to ignore your father's advice about how to use the hammer, right? Um, you know, uh, when he says, hold it like this and not like that, he's probably got a purpose, right? <laughs> he's probably got some reason for saying that. Uh, and uh, maybe he'll explain that reason or not, but um, we need to rely on the way we've used signs in the past. Uh, it should, there can be room for, of course, moderate and wise growth and development there. But our, our default position needs to be to accept um, the advice of um, of our predecessors uh, in this matter, uh, especially the saints and the doctors of the church, um, and trust that they know what they talk they're talking about about how to use signs, uh, what signs to use, and when to use them. Yeah, and I think even you know, especially for you know. Those doctors of the church, you know, especially St. Augustine, St. Thomas, you know, St. Saint, uh, uh, you know, Augustine, even in one of his letters, you know, he has a, a letter where some, a, a catechist actually wrote him this letter. And it's re- actually really funny because it could have actually been written today uh-huh. uh, where, where, where the catechist says, you know, like, I, I really, I have no idea where to begin. Where do I even begin? You know, and he goes on with a beautiful explanation of why to begin with the narratio, the story. Uh, uh, but if you go back and read that letter, like I said, 
it sounds like it could be written today. Uh, and sure. so these, you know, there's there's hints of that, you know, in the writings of the doctors in the church, uh, the doctors of the church and the saints of the church, uh, that the things that they say, many of the things that they say, because we're talking about timeless issues, right. that they they uh, uh, the advice they give, uh, how they teach, what they teach is it also mm -hmm. can can take on this this aspect of, of being timeless as well. You sure, know? Sure. And we're, we're finding that, you know, with, you know, St. Augustine, he said, begin with the narratio, begin with the story. I mean, you, you look at, you know, many of the, the, the catechetical trends today is people say, well, begin with, you know, the story of Christ, you know, look at the, the great Bible adventure and all of these, uh, 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 the story of the Bible, the, the, the historical narrative of the Bible sure. is, is huge. And, right. you know, and again, because what is it, you know, namely, uh, you know, it provides a context for Christ coming into the world, which provides sure. a context for the church and everything that she teaches as the bride of Christ. So it makes complete sense. Yet it's something that the, that has been in the writings of, of St. Augustine, you know, since he lived. Uh, sure. So there's 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 something beautiful there and something timeless there that, you know, we need to, to kind of reclaim and not rely on our own creativity. Because, uh, I mean, you look at St. Thomas. St. Thomas, you know, he didn't really, he didn't necessarily rely on his own creativity, although sure. he was amazingly beautiful in many of the things that he said and did. Uh, but, you know, he drew on Aristotle. He drew on these other guides and used uh, these other people. And especially the signs contained in uh, sacred scripture as well. I mean, I think there's a, there's a balance with someone like St. Thomas that you find that's difficult to achieve where you, you know, you combine both being creative and innovative to some degree but I think um, also rely more and emphasize more uh, respecting the signs and the use of the signs um, that has been handed down to us within the community. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, kind of one final aspect to look at is uh, I'm just going to bring up one point from um, St. Thomas's when he when he speaks about beauty. Uh, mm -hmm. He gives three different aspects, but one of the ones that he gives about beauty, uh, it's called splendor of form. And I sure. think this is, I think this is a, a huge aspect when it comes to discerning what signs, um, what signs do I use? How do I convey the person of Christ? How do I mm -hmm. convey the truth of the gospel, the truth of human sexuality, any of these things? Mm. I think sure. Thomas, you know, it, how do we do that beautifully? Uh, right. Because I think, you know, we could do it dryly, you know, we could do it, you know, in a kind of a mechanical way. That's simple enough. And for some people, that's what they're looking for. Uh, but some people, we have to be, we have to make what we say beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, and so St. Thomas uses this, or he has this characteristic of beauty called splendor of form, where he says that if something that is beautiful, when you, when you look at something that is beautiful, the form shines forth. Right. Uh, uh, and I think that's that's huge because, uh, uh, like you said in your you know in your introduction to philosophy course, when you go over the, the the form and the matter, that the form is you know the structure, and so many times all we see is kind of the composition. You see the the, the sure. matter, uh, but a matter you know that is truly beautiful, the form mm -hmm. the form can shine forth, and mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's kind of should be. Uh, um, uh, kind of a key aspect when we're kind of examining the signs that we use is right. what is the reality I'm trying to convey? What mm -hmm. is the sign I'm going to use? Does the, does the form, does the reality of it shine forth through the sign that I give? Uh, 
Right, uh, right. And we we should we should be very discerning uh, about that. You know, one of my one of my worst. It, one of the worst images I've ever seen of Jesus, and I've I've heard other people talk about this as well because it's that bad, you know, is is baseball <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, it's it's this horrendous uh, baseball Jesus statue where right. this this kid is batting and Jesus has his arms awkwardly wrapped around this uh, this <laughs> child, and it's like, no, no, this is this is not who Jesus is. Jesus is not your batting coach. Right. Jesus, you know, uh, Jesus, you know, like he, he is the, 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 the savior. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. Like mm. this does not convey the reality of who Jesus is and is a very poor sign. Therefore, if sure. your child has one of those kindly throw it away next time you clean their room, <laughs> right. replace it with an icon. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, you know, even when you look at, uh, even when you look at the liturgy, you know, there's sure. a, there's a, um, uh, a video and I'll try to maybe put it in the show notes. There's a, there's a beautiful uh, uh, video uh, that somebody recently posted. I forget the guy's name, um, but he was talking about liturgical music. And he said, you know, uh-huh. does the music we play, does the, does the way that, that, that our liturgies, the way that they are celebrated, do they, do they show the magnitude and the reality of what is happening at the Eucharist? Sure. Uh, uh, and so he kind of, he kind of talks a little bit about that. Uh, but I think that, you know, so I mean, you could look at every aspect uh, of sure. the Catholic life. Mm-hmm. What are the signs that we use? Are they good right. signs? You know, yeah, I mean, I think so that you know, when you're thinking about the liturgy and the signs that are involved there and, and, you know, just making the general point that they should be beautiful, that includes, right, the splendor of form so that the form shines forth very clearly, manifestly, um, in a sort of generous um, display. Um, another aspect of beauty that is appropriate to signs and especially in the liturgy, but also in preaching and teaching, um, is, um, that it delights, uh, the intellect. Mm. Um, so that, uh, something that's beautiful rather than merely, uh, attract, physically attractive. So, uh, something that's, phys- something can be physically attractive and not beautiful, but something that's beautiful is both physically attractive and it delights the intellect. Um, so that there's some physical representation there, some physical sign that also brings uh, delight to the intellect because of the proportion, because of the form, because of the underlying truth, etc. Uh, and that's one of the things, you know, I think that um, you could say, you know, in the liturgy, when it signifies well, it signifies in a well that uh, in a way that is certainly shows forth uh, with the splendor of the form, the underlying form. But in addition to that, delights the intellect um, and draws our affectivity or emotion towards that which is uh true and good and beautiful yeah and it and it actually opens up the imagination it opens up right. the intellect to take in more and even uh, saint augustine talks about this a little bit when he talks about uh words is that they mm-hmm. they, they bid us to to the reality they right. kind of they kind of draw us in and so uh you know we just need to as catholics look at the signs that we use uh, and be discerning in how we do it, sure. And how we catechize, how we teach, uh, uh, but also, you know, look for good guides as we uh, try to learn more ourselves. Turn to the saints, turn to the doctors. Well, that does it for us uh, today at Take Every Thought Captive. Check us out at CatholicStudiesAcademy.com. Until then, God bless. <laughs>